Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Today, we are covering the exciting topic. Actually, it is pretty exciting, which is the prospect call. And the question that we're going to be covering is, you know, what should I discuss and or cover during my prospect call with the prospective client? And for newer coaches, this is kind of a scary moment because it can seem like a make or break. It, that, okay, I finally have this person on the call. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this is what defines whether they are going to become a client or not. And I think that's a bit of an unfair amount of pressure to put on ourselves, just first and foremost, and we can dive into that. Um, There are other steps that you can take beforehand that will um, help make sure that you also get a higher conversion or chance of conversion Mm -hmm. on this call. Yeah. But I always like throwing it to you to start and seeing where would you like to start in tackling this question of what should I cover on the call? Well, I think we should start with what are you trying to get out of the call? And well, actually, let's start with what do we mean by prospect call? Because maybe not everyone uses the same terminology or understands exactly what that means. Just like, you know, discovery call or first meeting. And there are a lot of different terms that are thrown around for the same or different things. Yeah, that's a good point. And so when Garrett and I are going to be referring to the prospect call, what that means is someone has interacted with you and or your marketing has gone to your email and or your website or whatever other way you schedule meetings with people and they have said i might be interested in being a coaching client i'd like to talk with you about it so this is your initial sales call with the client the initial actual call where you're going to be selling the client on your services that's what we're referring to when we say prospect call. So then step two, what are you trying to get out of this prospect call? And that is a really important thing to define. And for a lot of people listening to this, there might be this sort of gut reaction of, well, what do you mean? What are you trying to get out of it? I'm trying to get a client out of it. That's the whole point of this. Duh. And not necessarily true. Go on. It is very important that you look at this prospect call from the perspective of three different people. Okay. The first person is your business perspective, which is, I want to get a client. Great. You got that down. That was the first thing you thought of. So we can put that one off to the side and we're going to focus on the other two people. Okay. The other two people are your sanity perspective. Do I want this person as a client? And one of the big things that I am trying to get out of a prospect call 
is whether or not I am going to enjoy the conversations with them. My business is a financial advisor. So my business is different than most other coaches. But the way that I like to phrase it, and for coaches that have a three-month program, you just change these words to whatever it is going to be for you, is we're going to be seeing each other three to four times a year for the next 20 or 30 years. You might say, we're going to be seeing each other twice a week for the next three months. We better really enjoy those conversations or it's not going to go well for either of us. And an important thing to note for newer coaches is even though you want to have, you know, just get clients in the door, the amount of time that you will spend on a client who isn't the right fit, isn't doing the work or isn't a good fit will be exponentially more than you spend with a client who is the right fit. And at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, long story short, it's, I've never found it worth the money because yeah. You know, a, a bad client won't refer other, like won't refer good prospects. <laughs> you spend a lot more time with that client. You don't get information that can help you build a better program or process. So it, it really is not just like, oh, one bad client. Yeah, it's it takes exponential amount of time and energy navigating one. Yeah. Not client. And the mistake that a lot of people early in their business makes, right? When the constraining thing is not their time. Right. You will get to a point where your business, the constraining thing is your time. That is what is stopping your business from growing. Yeah. But the mistake that people make when the constraining thing is not their time is they think the constraining thing is not their time. Because even when you have no clients, the idea of, oh, if I get a client in the door, then that means I'm going to make, let's just throw out a number, $3,000 off of that client. Wonderful. That's $3,000 I wouldn't have had otherwise. And let's be honest, how many of you have thought that to yourself, like that exact phrase? But the amount of time that that is going to take, the amount of energy that that's going to take, the amount of your own personal happiness, which shows up when you go on other prospect calls right after you got on a call with this client that you, it drains you of happiness. And now you're going to try and sell to someone else. What ends up happening is you, yeah, that's $3,000 you wouldn't have otherwise had. But because you dropped that $3,000 in the door, you did not have the time, the energy, the mental state to bring in $12,000 because it took away from your ability to do marketing. It took away from your ability to be engaged and present as well as you could be during a sales call that you could have closed on an ideal client. It's going to take away from your ability to work on different elements of your marketing plan or spending time engaged in groups that would be helpful for referring clients. It's and, and that's your confidence all, too. Yeah. And so be very, very careful not to allow that first person that we talked about, the business side that where you're saying, I just need to get any money I can. Don't allow that person to overshadow, overtake the other side, which is, am I going to enjoy this? Am I going to enjoy these conversations? And is this going to be something that is going to help me be more successful with all the other prospect calls I'm going to have? Or is it going to take away from my success with them? And worse, take away from my ability to actually get them. Because it's going to take up my time. 
Right. Okay, so we have our business voice. We have our sanity that we need to yep. be aware of. Who's that third person? The third person is the client. Oh, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might want to think about the client in this <laughs> scenario and realize that your goal in the prospect call is not really to close the deal. That first thing that we think of is actually the least important thing that we should be focused on. For ourselves, we should be focused on, is this a good idea? And the rest of, uh, or we should be focused on what we want to get out of the prospect call is figuring out, is this a good idea? And the other thing we want to get out of the prospect call is, what is it that the client is looking to get out of the prospect call? And I don't mean they're trying to get their questions answered. What I mean by that is, if you ask the client to do the wrong thing, if you say, Mr. or Mrs. Client, I, have, uh, I would like you to sign my contract at the end of this prospect call, and that's the not the right thing to ask that client, then the answer is always going to be no. And this is not about figuring out in the moment, should I ask them to sign them, sign. This is about really strategically, where does this prospect call fit within your overall journey? More specifically, the client's overall journey. Yeah. Garrett, I'm assuming that you have bought a car before. Yes, I have. Yeah. I'm assuming that you did the good responsible financial coaching thing and did research on cars before you bought the car. I did. All right. So I want you to imagine that you had done this research, you narrowed it down to three cars and you contacted the three local dealerships and said, Hey, I'd like to get that nice, really pretty brochure that has all the details on all the cars. And from each of the three dealerships from the three cars that you are interested in. Okay. And the three brochures come in and the first brochure you open it up, it's got all the nice pretty details. And at the end of the brochure, we're replacing brochure with prospect call in this analogy. Okay. Yep. At the end of the brochure, it says, thank you for reading our brochure. Here is a credit application, a loan application, and the titling documentation. Fill these things out. Your car will be delivered to you by someone. And your first payment will be due 30 days after you fill out this paperwork. Are you going to fill out the paperwork? I would not. <laughs> right. Because that's not what you're looking to do. Yeah. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing. Remember, I said three cars. Second brochure comes in. And the second brochure comes in and it says, thank you for reading our brochure. Uh, we really appreciate you looking at our car. Uh, here is a postcard. Just fill in your name and address, and we will send you another brochure with even more information about our car. Are you going to fill out that postcard? I personally wouldn't because I already have, I think, the information. Right. That I'm trying to buy a car. I'm not trying to collect. I'm not building a library of car brochures. What the hell is in the second brochure that you couldn't put in the first brochure? Right. It's kind of like... Right? Yeah. Why, why are we dragging this on? It's kind of wasting yeah. my time. The reality is if you ask the client to do too much or the prospect to do too much, they will automatically say no. 
But if you ask them to do too little, they will also automatically say no. What you have to figure out is for your ideal client, for who you are targeting, after they have a sales conversation with you, what is their next step that they're going to do? Hmm. And that's what you need to ask. That's what your goal of your prospect meeting is, is to get them to do that. Okay. So in the example you were using, right? So third car brochure. Third brochure. What is the next step after you get these three brochures that you want to do? What is your next step, regardless of the car, regardless of the brochures, regardless of the car companies? What are you going to do next? Yeah. I mean, if I've done research on a car and I say, okay, this, I've narrowed it down here, are three different cars. I'd probably want to test drive the car. That is the only thing you can ask them to do in the brochure and expect them to say yes. Okay. That's it. Now, of course, not everyone is test drive. I use a car brochure because in that case, everyone is test drive. Right? Yeah. But for your clients, it's not going to be as simple as there is one obvious answer. But with your prospect meetings, you need to figure out what is their next step. And this is why you can't target everyone. One of the millions of reasons why you can't target everyone. Yeah. Because you need to figure out what is your next step. And then your entire prospect meeting should be built around helping the client feel comfortable taking that next step. I love framing it that way because I think so often that intuitive answer is, well, yeah, I want them to sign the contract and become a client, the business voice of it. But yeah. when you put it that way, you really have to think, well, what is in the best interest of the client mm -hmm. or prospect? Where are they in their journey? Are they just starting to look for the first time and go on websites of coaches? Mm -hmm. You know, are they, have they tried multiple different programs? You know, have they tried budgeting tools and apps? Have they gotten an email lists? Like how far are they on their journey? Because it will be a very different outcome that you're looking for, or they'll need, they'll be just at a different stage of their journey, depending on what they've done. Yeah. And that's the real, that's the art and science of sales, right? And it's not the art and science separate, it's these two things are together because there is that this art to figure out what it is, but that art is rooted in the science of actually researching and knowing your ideal client. Got it. Yeah. And, I said research, have... by the way, so everyone who has gone through launch is like having flashbacks. <laughs> we have to drink. Josh said the word research. It's time <laughs> to drink, both because it's a drinking game and two, you want to drink when- uh... right with how much research research yeah you do comes up yeah uh, but it is so incredibly important as you said you know this is one of the plethora of reasons to have a niche to mm -hmm. know your niche uh, because also at the end of the day what we do is about serving people and so right. if we ultimately want to serve them we need to put their interests pretty far up the list yep yeah. and so say, okay, not what's right for us as business person, but how do we meet them where they are, serve them where they are? Sometimes that's going to be me and what I do and the services that I provide. Sometimes it's going to be connecting them to a referral partner or other, you know, connect them with a couple of referral partners that they can then decide who's the best fit for them, or it may just be other resources. Yeah. So I like that. And it kind of answers, oh, you go and then I'll ask it Well, and 
all those things that you just said can also be things that you use when you're just not feeling the client. Um, there are a few things that are absolute non-starters for me. Uh, one of those things is uh, if a client is interested in uh, increasing the amount of money in their accounts, and that is the only thing they're interested in, um, that that's not going to be a good client for me. So I will send them off to someone else. Yeah. Uh, if the client is uh, feels that they know everything, not really going to be a good client for me. Uh, if the client, one of the spouses is completely in control and the other spouse uh, doesn't get a chance to speak, even when I give them the chance because the other person just takes over, um, I'm not a marriage and family therapist. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's a good I don't point to One have. person takes the lead. I mean, like one person is like dominating and not allowing the other person to talk. Right. 100%. And that's a good thing to keep in mind is when it isn't a good fit to think ahead of time, what is your out going to be? Because it can be a little awkward or just uncomfortable to be the one who says, I think at least earlier on in my coaching, it was the expectation like, oh my God, I want you to say yes. And so feeling like the power was always in the client prospect's hand. Sorry. Uh, yeah. But knowing that, no, you know, this has to be a good fit for you. This has to be a good potential client. And so knowing what to, what to say if it's not. Yeah. Um, she had a question, which yeah. was, when do you ask them to sign the contract then? And this was asked kind of a couple of minutes ago. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so if it's not, hey, you got the brochure and then here's all the paperwork to sign. Um, when is there a good time? When is the right time if there is a right time? So there is no right time. Uh, I know lots of financial advisors, uh, financial coaches. You can slot that word in there very easily without any concern. I'm sure that you know lots of financial coaches and there are lots of them that are listening to this that have success signing the contract on the first meeting. There are lots of, of people that they do it after the second meeting. Right. Yeah. So they'll have two prospect calls or sales yeah. calls. Um, I know people that do it in the email communication afterward. Uh, if you look at, you know, the old school insurance agent, financial advisors, mm -hmm. well, they signed the contract after like nine meetings, right? Because mm -hmm. they built the entire financial plan and the financial plan is to sell insurance products. And so the contract is signed when they buy those insurance products. Gotcha. Um, so there is no right answer to this. It's it's going to depend on your process. It's going to depend on how you work with clients. It's going to depend on the clients that you work with. Um, and I I want the contract for me for my business. I want the contract to be signed the day after the prospect meeting. That's my goal. Okay. Um, for and and this is not right for everyone. This is not right for you. So when I describe this, do not take this as, oh, this is what I should do. This is with my very specific niche, with exactly the psychology of who these people are, with the experiences of their experience, not just with financial professionals, but all service professionals that they hire. I, I target a very uh, a professional service business owners. Okay. Um, with all of that, 
I have a very specific goal I'm trying to get out of the prospect meeting, which is very different than other people because I have a very different client psychology. That next, so my goal is in, is to get it signed the next morning. And I have had many clients who have said, all right, let's sign, like literally midway through the meeting. Yeah. And I've said, well, I, I do not sign contracts uh, during the meeting. That's, that's not what we're going to do. Um, I said, well, why not? I said, well, because that's, you will get a email tomorrow morning. Um, and you'll get an email in an hour. You'll get an email tomorrow morning. And you need to let me know that you are interested in going forward and what you're interested in going forward with. And then I've had them say, well, what if, what if we, you know, this was back before COVID. Well, you know, it's a half hour drive home. What if we send you the email when we get home? That then I will send you the agreement information in a half an hour when you get home. Right. Um, and so realize that there is no right time, but you need to figure out what is the right time and why you're making it the right time. There is a very specific reason why I do that. And it is not because, oh, that's my process. And so I'm just going to stick to it. It's because that process has purpose. And I'm not going to deviate from something that builds purpose with the client relationship. So what's the purpose? The purpose is to set up this relationship as a non-sales relationship. Yeah. My professional service business owners, they get pitched things all the time. And they get constantly invited to, hey, we're going to do this educational seminar. And really what it is is a 30-minute sales pitch yeah. for everything. And I need to break that, um, that stereotype box. Now, this isn't important for everyone else who's listening to this, but for me, with my clients, with what I do, it is important in my exact situation to break that stereotype box. Cool. And if I deviate from that, now I have not broken that stereotype box and it will, it's, I'm still going to make the sale. I'm still going to have the revenue, but it's going to cause me more work later on. And I don't want that. <laughs> Yeah, I can see how it also sets the foundation for, you know, yeah. more referrals, the higher levels of trust, right? Yeah. If you don't fall into that salesperson box, for sure. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you can get really high referrals by signing on the first contract and giving them an amazing experience at this at the first and the second meeting, right? So don't think that this is the only way to get really high referrals. Realistically, the way you get really high referrals is you make it a really great experience, not you force them not to sign the contract until the next day. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And um, it's a both and, right? Because again, knowing your um, ideal client and knowing yeah. what their you know, both pain points and like desires are um, or concerns, maybe I should say. Yeah. And then being able to create your process and prospect call around that. So, uh, one of the, do you want me to go, we could go to the most, the most upvoted question and then we'll put a pin in this until the next time people want to know about prospect calls. <laughs> awesome. 
So the most uploaded question was, what information, if any, should you gather before the prospect call? So mm, this is the, the whole should, you know, don't should all over yourself. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, what information you should gather is what you need to accomplish the goal for the prospect call. No more, no less. For me, that is three things. Okay. Um, the first thing that I need to gather is their name. The second thing that I need to gather is their phone number. Okay. And the third thing that I need to gather is what's on their mind. Okay. All right. Those are the only three things. And nothing else matters because that's not what my prospect call is about, right? I'm not vetting them to see whether or not they have enough money to work with me. I'm not any of that type of stuff. I need those three things. And then I can have for my process, a productive prospect call. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but. Keep in mind, I don't just have a form that says, what's your name? What's your phone number? What's, what's this, right? Yeah. I, when people sign up for, with me, you know, they put their name down and they actually put it down twice so that I know if they actually did a typo that, they, that I know I've got their correct name. Okay. Their phone number, they put in sometimes three times, but mostly twice, <laughs> most of the time twice. Okay. okay. And I know you're thinking, well, that seems like it's awfully um, unnecessary or, or it's just being repetitive. Well, they put it in twice because the first time it says, what number would you like me to call at? And the second time it says, if you would like text reminders, 15 minutes prior to our meeting as a reminder, put in the phone number that you'd like the text reminder to go to put a phone number in here. Okay. Well, now I've got two phone numbers just in case the first one has a typo. Right. Oftentimes they're the exact same number. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing with the message. It says the first thing is what is, what is most prominent on your mind or that you're seeking a conversation, right? And then later on, it says, what else would you like to, um, is there anything else you would like us to know in preparation for the meeting? Basically asking for the same thing in two different ways, more of a broad thing and then a more, and then a deeper thing. Yeah. I also ask, how did you hear about us? That's more curiosity on my part. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, but those are the things that's, that's all I need. But because I really need to know, I really need their phone number and I really need to know what their, situation is right what they're what is on their mind i make sure that i get that information and that i get more than just like the top of mind type thing got it yeah it's i think less than well i don't i don't know what everybody thinks but i think it's um it's not as much as you may think it does right. depend on again what you want out of the prospect call mm -hmm. uh, for me it's you know what's your number one goal number one challenge. And then I have them take a money type quiz, 
which is part of the emotional behavioral work that I do because it helps serve as the conversation starter around how they feel and relate to money, which yeah. is oftentimes a pretty big part of what I do. So it's just good to kind of get that thing done so that there's a, it doesn't seem weird when I bring that up as part of the conversation. Yeah. And I've also added my, um, a, a couple PDFs of what I do and, you know, what I do and how I do it. Cause a lot of people find me via Yelp and they'll just like click straight through to schedule a call without necessarily going on my website. So I've learned that giving them information ahead of time uh, in my confirmation emails, asking them to take a look at that really helps. Um, because also for me, I need a filtering mechanism for people that come from Yelp so I can know ahead of time if your number one goal is to you know, contribute more money to your 401k and get investment advice, at, I can then cancel the call and say, hey, that's not me, but you should go look at, you know, these particular websites, right? Yeah. Look at Napa or Garrett Planning Network or XYPN. Yeah, if it's super broad or if they have more specific requests around that number one goal, like, okay, I work in, you know, in tech and I have some stock options that are going to be, I don't even know what to do with them, but the company might go public. Like, I need to talk to someone specifically. It's like, oh, I know some financial planners that do that. So it's a way... Um, of both like making sure I have the right people, mm -hmm. uh, a filtering mechanism coming into the call. And then also gives me a bit of a frame for, okay, what are we going to be talking about? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And so Garrett gets a lot more information because he has a very different client and a very different process and a very different everything that we just talked about. And so don't, think of this as, oh, well, they gave conflicting things, which one of the two of them is right. It's what is right for your business. Correct. And your clients. <laughs> I know. And uh, I know on this, we didn't say, okay, well, here's what you start with, right? You start with uh, small talk, and then you set with outlining what you're going to talk about. And then you let the client talk, and then you talk, you know, specifically to what the client said. And if you want us to have that conversation, we'll do another webinar on it. Put it in the comments. I was, was going to say, <laughs> if that is what you, um, you would find helpful, do that. Go put it in the comments because then we can flesh out that structure and say, look, this isn't going to be the exact same for everyone, but here is kind of a good standard type of process that you can add to, subtract from, but just that's yeah. a good flow um, as kind of a, you know, fits. What is it? One size fits some? None. None. <laughs> I know. But more like good practices to keep yeah. in mind uh, as you do your prospect call. So yeah. I'll do my little type it down below in the comments if that's something that you want. Anything else that you want to hit on either from that particular what questions, what information to gather ahead of time or just overall what to cover? Everything with your prospect call just comes back to what are you trying to get out of it and viewing it from those three perspectives, really ignoring the first one, right? Mm -hmm. The money perspective, yeah. uh, really focus on the other two perspectives and allow the prospect car to be built around accomplishing what you want to get out of the call and what the client's process is for what their next step in their journey is of hiring a coach. Awesome. Take care, everyone. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.